0: Welcome back to
1: episode two of the Campfire Chat. Great to have you guys back. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing fine. It is a nice 67 degrees here this time for episode two instead of 57, so we're learning. It is warmer. We are getting better at this with each passing episode.
0: So, yeah. Well, uh, did anything exciting happen since the last time we talked,
1: Andrew? Um, Yeah, we went to College Hill. Uh, We visited them on a Wednesday night.
0: Yes, it was good to go to College Hill Lutheran Church. That's the uh, campus ministry at the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. So uh, it was certainly good to go there. We got to show some of the uh, videos that we have even from our own camp just uh, to give people a taste of what it's like to be at and work at a camp. Uh, So we got to show them our promo videos for the next year. And uh, of course, we got to eat some delicious uh, ice cream sandwiches as well.
1: We we even introduced the topic there when, for the Bible study a little bit for yeah. the summer
0: theme. The summer theme, yeah. Teach us to pray. So um, so that was uh, a great time um, up there in Cedar Falls. So, well, we're getting close to Christmas uh, here. It's uh, the week before. Wow, that happened fast this year, Andrew.
1: Yeah, right? I feel like my sister was getting married like last weekend and here we are. Yeah, that was was that two. That was just that was right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, wow. Yeah, weekend uh, after. Well, you know, normally for sometimes at
0: least there's that extra week between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I think Thanksgiving happened about as late as it could
1: possibly happen this year. So, did you get all your uh, gift shopping done?
0: Oh, am I supposed to do that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. No, the-
0: I have not. Mm. Thank you for the reminder. Um, I still got some some work to do.
1: Uh, still, some work to do for that. So, um. I'm, I'm sure it's much more busy when you have an entire family of your own in addition to your already like established immediate family.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, well, being it is the holidays uh, coming up here with, uh, with Christmas and New Year's. Um, Andrew, I was wondering if you had any uh, favorite Christmas stories or Christmas memories or, or things that you do in your family that are uh, Christmassy.
1: Yeah, so this one's not really a memory per se, but um, most years. This doesn't happen every year, just be- with uh, how busy our family gets. But our my dad, for the Christmas letter, he'll write it, like, December. Uh, if it's a really busy year, he won't get it out until mid-January. That still counts. Yeah, it's I mean, like, yeah, just, sometimes it just I, gets busy. I think we leave together. our
0: Christmas cards up from other families for, like... You know, like two or three months.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, my dad will write basically a full page, page and a half, maybe even two pages this year with oh, wow. amount of stuff that's going on. So but, who
0: are all the new additions to the uh, Folkman uh, family letter?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of curious how he's going to break it down because normally he breaks it down by like just, you know, age. And so this year he's probably just going to group Aaron with his uh, wife, Danielle, Alex, and his wife, Kayla and Sarah and her husband Adam and then probably me and my new dog so <laughs> this might how it goes um, all right welcome to the
0: family kona
1: yeah uh, well you know one of the things that we did in
0: my family growing up is uh, um we got to we got to absolutely demolish and destroy a piñata uh a lot of christmases so that was that was always really fun you know uh, to and I, because I was the one of the older kids on my dad's side of the family, we always got to go last when it came to hitting the pinata. Mm-hmm. So so we would never um, if it got to us, we would get like a solid swing or two mm-hmm. and then they'd start rotating through the order again with the youngest kids going first. And you know, of course they'd only let us have one swing because we're the older kids and we would we would you know obliterate it mm-hmm. in in one hit. And then, and then the youngest kids would then cycle again, through again. And by the time it got to like the third or fourth kid, it busts open. So we really never got the satisfaction of actually like opening it up all the way. But it was still a really fun thing that we've done in my family, you know, for Christmas for, for, for many years. Uh, So I'm really excited and hopefully my kids will get to do that, um, you know, in the coming years as well.
1: So with piñatas, is it always just filled with candy or is there anything else that gets put in piñata? You
0: know, so I've done several Christmases down in in Mexico and they'll put like a lot of sometimes fresh fruit or even um, like sugar cane in there and things like that. That, you know, it would be produce actually Mm -hmm. and not just like candy. A lot of the times here in the States will see piñatas and they'll, they'll just be filled with candy and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. But then you can put like, you know, small little toys or, or things like that in the piñatas as well. It doesn't always have to be food or candy, but, but, uh, actually, yeah, one of the things in, yeah, in Mexico, we, you know, there'd be even, you know, produce mm-hmm. <laughs> in the piñata and you're, you think, what, what's that? Um, I got an apple out of, out of that. So, um, yeah, that's a fun thing from. From uh, from my childhood, from my family, that we get to do over Christmas. So,
1: yeah. So, uh, with the topic of Christmas and you know the season, I've been you know flipping through my stack of Lutheran Witnesses, you know, as one does. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Great two- magazine. Yeah, in uh, two thousand sixteen, did you know there was this article written by a uh, Daniel Sanchez? Oh, really? Yeah, and the Lutheran Witness. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember what it was
0: about? Oh, yeah. Well, so, funny uh, story. I got asked um, probably early early in the fall that year um, to write an article on I, – I can't remember. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what was sent to me. But it says, hey, would you be willing to uh, do an article on the history and, uh, and the dangers of Christmas pageants? And I was like, I mean, sure, but who wants to be that guy? I mean, who wants to say – Here's everything that's wrong with Christmas pageants. You know, thanks a lot.
1: No, single-handedly start the war on Christmas from within. Right, right, <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, yeah, so I actually did take that up, and I did write an article. It um, was published in the, uh, the Lutheran Witness that year. Um, that came out, uh, I think, in early December or late November, whenever it comes out. Here, But uh, yeah, sure, we'll give it a read. And this will be our what's the point um, uh, for this month. So here we go. Christmas pageants are perhaps better understood as nativity plays. They commonly tell the account of Jesus' birth from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, often beginning as early as Luke 1, when Zechariah is promised a son, John the Baptist, and ending after the visit of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Nativity plays became regular and popular almost 800 years ago in Italy after a friar, Francis of Assisi, led a live nativity scene with real animals in a cave. He had become concerned with Italy's greed and materialistic culture at the time and wanted to draw the Christmas emphasis back to Christ, specifically his humble birth. Though we're used to seeing nativity scenes depicting this, seeing an empty animal feeding trough as Jesus' crib was a very powerful scene at that time. Nativity plays and nativity scenes are wonderful catalysts for teaching the scriptures. With so much material crammed into a one-hour or even less children's pageant, many children and adults have a lot of misconceptions about the birth of Jesus. For instance, many believe the wise men arrived the night Jesus was born. Who can blame them? We've all seen them in nativity scenes with the shepherds and the angels and the newborn baby Jesus. So, though we know all the main parts of the nativity, nativity plays present a Well, a wonderful opportunity for families and individuals to sit down together and go through what the Bible actually has to say about the birth of Jesus. In doing this, we we read the real account with real historical figures and happenings, which oftentimes fly under the radar in our Christmas pageants. Learning about the ruthless and wicked King Herod or about Quirinius, the governor of Syria, help us all the more to uh, have a concrete understanding that Jesus came into our real and sinful world to save us. Since their inception, nativity plays and other Christmas services, such as lessons and carols, are meant to point us to Christ. From Thanksgiving on, people are bombarded with nonstop Christmas, and sometimes much much earlier than Thanksgiving. One may think he's been at church too much, with all this endless Christmas pageantry, and can just sleep in on Christmas morning. But Jesus' story doesn't end with his birth. No, it goes on to his bleeding, dying, and rising for you. On this Christmas morning, may we be as eager to be in church as the shepherds who were to go and see baby Jesus that night. The greatest Christmas present of all is the salvation you have in Jesus. So be sure to open that gift this and every Christmas morning. Yeah, so that's what I wrote um, three years ago, a little more than three years ago.
1: Yeah, so when I was reading your article from 2016, I was kind of reminded... Of um, newsletter from Grace Lutheran Church in Tulsa, which is the church I went to in Oklahoma. And the youth director, um, Melissa Leonbauer, she was writing about how she actually visited Bethlehem um, this last summer and saw what people believe to be um, where Jesus was born. And she was talking about how it was in a cave. And I just thought that was curious because it's like i I didn't picture it in a cave um so it's just like so what is a manger then
0: yeah well even when well so when francis of assisi uh took you know his congregants out to this to this place and location to this live nativity was um i do believe it was a cave atmosphere and then you know that's where animals could go into and, and then you know, a manger. People think a manger scene, or all these other things. Well, a manger is actually just the the feeding trough for for an animal. Uh, so, so you know, um, it, they literally placed him when they say it placed him in a manger. It's placing him into a feeding trough. We we see these you know depictions of them today, and it looks like very clean wood and maybe some straw, and it's really cute. But it might not have been you know, it's maybe a little more humble than what we get to see even in the children's play. So yeah, the manger is just, it's a, it's a,
1: it's an animal feeding trough. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of just me not paying attention to the context and the story and everything, but it's like when I heard manger, I thought of more like, it's like, I basically thought of our hay shed back at my parents' farm. And that's what I thought of when I heard manger, like a building, not just like, a trough where animals are fed. Yeah. So yeah. this is kind of interesting that that is the actual setting, and it's painfully obvious when you actually go through and read it. Um, but when you're just listening it or watching it unfold, maybe you just allow yourself to be lax on some of those details. Well, there's so many parallels between Jesus coming into the world and and
0: and and, and you know in Jesus's death between his birth and his death and and and, and rising. But you know, if you think of it as a cave or you know something mm-hmm. like that, well, then you also have placed into a tomb. Yeah. Um, you know, so so there's there's certain parallels that go in there. Now now, cert, there's a certain amount of assumption kind of that comes with this. Um, you know, we have what we have in the Bible that that tells us about these things, but it it's interesting to point out you know how really humble those circumstances really are that Jesus went through.
1: Yeah, and um, also you mentioned the article about. Like the wise men coming in and visiting and how in the pageants, it's depicted as like the same night Jesus is born. These three wise men show up with their gifts and the Bible story, it doesn't actually play out like that. No,
0: no. And, you know, in a lot of the pageants, they'll actually say, you know, and later on or something like that, you know, to the, to that effect where the. The, the wise men, the magi come at a different time. Um, but it, what you see is more or less the impression that you, you come away with. And then we've all seen those nativity scenes, right? The, the shepherds are there. The angels are there. The sheep and the, everything is there. But, you know, if you look at it in, in Matthew chapter two, um, you know, this, it's quite different. They have to go to King Herod first. The baby's already been, baby Jesus has already been born. Um, then they go to King Herod. Then they go there uh, to to see Jesus, and and then at that time it also says they went to a house. So you know Jesus is not there in this you know stable esque kind of scene. Uh, he's now uh, he they go up to a house, and that's where they see uh, baby Jesus there. And then and then you know um, you know of course one of the more tragic things of the Bible is King Herod realizing that. He's been, you know, the Magi went somewhere else. They didn't come back to report to him. And so then he orders the slaughter of all the babies. But it's interesting to point out that it's ages two and under. So this is the time frame that, you know, we're potentially working with, um, you know, uh, the wise men coming through. There's a two year gap, essentially, of when when this could have happened and played out with with uh, the wise men.
1: And with that timeline kind of playing out the way it does with King Herod, like we're assuming here, like two years after these wise men are asking after him, or hmm. give or take, is like what did Herod do for two years? Like did he just completely <laughs> you know, forget about this whole thing and his plot to snuff out someone that would try and your sup or um, take over his rule. Yeah.
0: Right. You know, did he just wake up one morning and be like, Oh, that's right. Those wise, those wise men, uh, what they were going to come back here and they didn't. Hmm. I think I'll have to do something about this. Right. Um, so, but yeah, you know, this is one of the great things about camp too, is when we're here, we really get to dig through the Bible with our campers and, 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 and look at these things in detail and, you know, past the the assumptions and the things that we already know and take for granted about, you know, most people can place that, you know, that that the wise men were there at some point, and and that's a great thing. But to actually go through and go through these things in depth, you know, it really speaks to some of the opportunity we have we have here at camp, and and you guys certainly all have this opportunity as a family uh, this Christmas to sit down with the Word of God and to look through it and to see, um, again, as I kind of said in the article there, you know how. Jesus comes to us in real time in, in he inserts himself into the world to come and save us from our sin. You know, there's, there's real people, Herod, uh, Quirinius, um, there's all these other, the census that, that, that took place. These are historical events, historical people, and Jesus comes into the world, uh, that world, uh, to save us from our sins. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a chance to look at that and see the reality that really uh, exists within the scriptures. All right, on to um, important dates. Looks like we have some uh, new information on some of the important dates for the calendar year.
1: Yeah, so a couple of the new ones we'll get to in a bit. But first, just a reminder that January 10th, summer camp registration opens. Uh, The summer camp brochures will be sent out. So um, you'll have paper copies for those sometime around January 10th at Um, churches and stuff in the district. Uh, June 17th is the first day of summer camp for the summer that is themed, teach us to pray. So June 17th is the first week of camp. Yep. And that's just pushback. We got a couple other uh, smaller camps happening uh,
0: for some of the groups that rent out the camp uh, the week before. So we're pushing our summer and rearranging some things there.
1: But June 17th. Yeah. And July 7th through the 10th, we'll be having the Higher Things Confirmation Camp here at Camp Biodesica.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing that we've normally had that at the end of the summer, uh, but we've partnered with Higher Things to do a confirmation camp. So uh, this is an a awesome program where the kids really get to, um, um, you know, summer, you, if you're in, in confirmation class, you, you can go the whole summer without, you know, picking up your, your, your catechism or whatever and uh, really going through the Bible. But this is a great time to just uh, get an intensive on some of the six chief parts in the catechism. And so it looks like the theme for this year is baptism and the Lord's Supper again. And we've moved that into now the middle of the summer. That used to be always at the end of the summer, kind of tagged on there. But now it's July 7 through 10. Uh, it's a Tuesday through a Friday. Um, so looking forward to having that kind of more in a prime part of summer and really hoping that that camp takes off.
1: Yeah. And next year. Yeah, that's coming up, isn't it? Uh, next year, January 31st, it's February 1st is the Iowa District East Middle School Retreat and Snow Olympics, which the topic is Music and Me, the Good and the Evil. Registration for that is on the Iowa District East website, LCMS, um, IDE.org. So make sure you register for that. And then in April, looks like we're skipping ahead a couple months and
0: going into April.
1: Yeah, so Iowa District East Lutheran Hour Ministry Convention will be April 4th um, doctor or Reverend Dr. Tony Cook, vice president in global ministries. He will be sharing how global outreach efforts are reaching others with the gospel message. Our registration
0: starts at 9am that day. Convention starts at 10am and, uh, concludes at 4pm. Registration is $12 and, uh, um, we're going to be getting a, um, a registration form for that, uh, available online too, uh, and through the camp website. So, um, uh, look for that at the camp website. Uh, there's a registration form; which should be available there. And uh, now, moving on to, uh, as always, a fun thing for us to talk about here at camp is the summer staff. Uh, looks like we've started uh, interviewing candidates for summer staff.
1: Yeah, so far um, we visited two uh, counselor candidates, and we're. I'm trying to get three more scheduled, so we're going to have at least five or so by mid-January. All done awesome so we're
0: well, looking forward to seeing many more of those come in uh, uh, working on camp staff is uh, is so much fun it's very rewarding um, it's uh, uh, everything you could probably ask for out of a meaningful summer experience uh, um, so I thought we'd really talk about some some very substantial things you know that make it a wonderful experience and that is staff pranks uh, these can be <laughs> these can be uh, uh, a lot a lot of fun um it's it's certainly part of the uh culture of camp is is to do a prank every now and then um andrew do you have any any
1: memorable ones um there's a couple um there's two that come to mind that we did to you uh when i was a summer staffer Uh-oh. um the there's the one time when oh, i we- have i have rules though like, well, you've had rules after we did certain things. Well, yeah, 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 because... The the whole 100 feet radius around yes. your house being a no-prank zone happened Still after, is. <laughs> still is. Um, so what caused that rule to be uh, initiated is it was last it the la- weekend after the last week of camp, so we're just, as summer staff, we're like, we, we need to do something to really just put a stamp on the end of the summer so we decided hey this is
0: 2013
1: I think yeah summer 2013 it's like hey let's get all our sleeping bags and let's camp out on Daniel's back porch so we had I don't remember how big our staff was back then but it's like 15 or so you know college-age kids all in sleeping bags on Daniel's back porch and I think there were like 18 people and yeah, we really committed to it too so it so, worked out so that
0: next morning i wake up i'm making coffee sophie barked that night and i was like why is she barking uh sophie was my was my dog uh then and and uh why is she barking and and then she settled down and i didn't think anything of it and then and then uh and then i go make some coffee and i i just decide to kind of open the curtains by the sliding door on the deck and as i start to do that i just see I can't remember who I saw, but somebody was giggling, you know. Just he was probably uh, Blanca. I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought about getting the hose on the other side of the house and just ooh, spraying it over the roof that uh, to get bad. you guys to get you guys off of the uh, off of the porch. Oh yeah. yeah, So you basically slept outside of my door at mm-hmm. my house mm-hmm. for a whole night. I, I that must have been very uncomfortable.
1: I don't know it was worth it. I don't. <laughs> no, no one remembers how well they slept that night. They just remember it, how much fun it was to do. So yeah, that's the real win there.
0: Yeah, I felt like my personal space was kind of, you know, uh, uh, interfered on uh, with everybody sleeping on my. Back. I can't believe my my
1: deck supported eighteen people sleeping on it. I thought that was very impressive too. So yeah, and then another one. Um, this was. I believe summer 2014 because my sister Sarah was on staff then and we had this giant box where I don't know how. Oh oh, so the reason this happened
0: is because I had implemented the 100 foot radius of my house. Yeah, we had to rule. get creative. So you had to you had to conspire with my wife uh, to, to to figure out when I would leave the house mm-hmm. and come here so that you guys could could do this
1: prank. Yeah, it's like I think that's how I ended up Facebook friending your wife is that way I can Facebook Messenger. It's like, hey, <laughs> can can you find a figure out a way to get like Daniel back to the office or let us know when he's coming? So, yeah, we coordinated with uh, Kristen on that. And my sister, we we had her in a big cardboard box, which we drew okay, big as on an, it.
0: Big is an understatement. It was a massive cardboard box. OK, it was. Uh, Yeah, so it has to be big enough to fit a human being uh, comfortably, or maybe it was
1: uncomfortable, I don't know, but in there. Oh, no, we'll have to to ask her at some point. But we, we drew a face on it, and prior to this whole thing, we were just, you know, playing with it and stuff like that. We had holes in it, so that way she could stick her arms and legs out of it. And I don't remember how, like, what started her being in the box. I don't know if it was something that, like, me and maybe somebody else, like, put her in the box and... I don't know. But it's like we ended up developing this into putting her in your office and (laughs) getting you down there. So my sensors
0: were going off. Like I walked in the building and I'm just
1: like, something is wrong.
0: Something is wrong. What what is going to happen? Like I just I had, you know, I just had that proximity. My spidey sense, you know, Mm. was was going off.
1: Yeah, we got you in the office. Um, yeah, we had my sister just right by the door in the box. And then uh, Kristen Wise and I were hiding underneath your desk trying to get a, a recording of it. <laughs> which you which did get. Which we did get. I don't remember how high quality it was or uh, even where it's, that recording is. I'll tell you really what is.
0: I will link that into the oh, webpage. Yes. And then we will also uh, uh, share the, the prank video on Facebook. Of this, um, we'll, we'll have to find pictures guys...
1: of us out on the porch too because I know those exist. Oh, really? Yeah, there's oh, some pictures of it. That I is... remember, I'll have to track it down. Wow, uh, yeah. So, well, uh, as you can all uh tell by
0: listening to this, we do have a lot of fun at camp. Um, it's a fun environment, the the pranks don't go too overboard or anything like that, but it's just part of our fun culture here at camp. that. You know, we we get to be loose and, and and just really enjoy each other's company and and uh, and all that. So, uh, but those are some really good uh, <laughs> good good pranks that come to mind uh, uh, here at camp, especially ones that pertain to me. And I've been on the receiving end of many others. Uh, my very first year or second year here, I had some staff in the kitchen. It was program staff week. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to I think Kaylee and. Esther and I can't remember who else, maybe Sarah. Uh, they made a apple crisp, Uh-oh. and like using some, I don't know what it, it smelled amazing. And you're like, here, Daniel, try some apple crisp, and it, it had like the. You, it looked, smelled really good and then it had mm-hmm. like the, the crystallized top, like that looked mm-hmm. like it was they'd sprinkled sugar all over it. Sure. Well, it wasn't sugar, it was pure salt. Oh. So I took a bite, you know, you know how you're really looking forward mm-hmm. to savoring something? I mm-hmm. took a bite and it was just the saltiest thing you've mm-hmm. ever eaten. And so when you're expecting one thing and get another thing. Uh, there, was a, there was a prank right there that I, I will also always uh, remember uh, there as well. So I've been on the receiving end of many of these. They are a lot of fun. I really enjoy them. Well, and so, you know, another fun thing that we get to do at the staff level here is um, you know, when, when kids come to camp uh, they for registration, they come into the entryway and they make their way into the, uh, into the uh, dining hall. And uh, on the way there, they they pass by the um, picture board of all the the staff and the staff, of course, are doing all these crazy poses. So, you know, if I'm going to be embarrassed all day today with the uh, with the uh, pranks that have been pulled on me, Andrew, I thought we could pull up your your picture, your last uh, summer staff picture here which I think defines you very, very well. You've had some other really good ones, um, you know, for the picture board uh, as well.
1: I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about this picture.
0: <laughs> Precisely why I said I think it's a good fit for you. We'll, we'll also link this picture uh, online on the webpage as well. Uh, but your last picture um is, is a picture of you and, and there's a globe Where is this globe? Do we still have it?
1: I don't know it's, It might how be How did prob- we get a globe? It might be in the program room Yeah, somewhere. probably
0: uh, Program room um, And it's you With the globe next to you You've got a, a mess of papers Out in front of you Two Bibles um, I, I believe Those are Bibles in the picture And then you're reading a book Called How to Rule the World And with the pen up to your mouth mm-hmm. um, Very curiously reading this book About how to rule the world um any any uh uh would you like to defend yourself here a little bit
1: what's there to defend <laughs> um i mean the only thing i really regret about those pictures is that i wish i had my hair combed a little different but that's
0: about it oh yeah yeah there you go um so yeah the, the, anyways we get to take these wonderful pictures uh you know that really show off our, our staff's personalities uh and uh um you know set the tone for what kids can expect this week um you know being here at camp uh so other really just fun thing that we get to do here uh, really help make this well really fun staff experience uh for all that so we, again we are uh as as many Lutheran camps are looking for summer staff so please check out naloma.org n l o m a.org uh the, from there they can uh, complete a summer service profile and uh, they can select their camp of choice of where they'd like to work to. Camp Ida is one of many, um, over 20 Lutheran camps looking for staff. And uh, um, if you'd like the opportunity to work here or another place, uh, we're certainly happy to talk, you, talk with you about those opportunities and participate in a really wonderful, meaningful uh, summer, summer experience, summer job. So check that out. Um, well, just to conclude here, I um, want to talk about supporting Camp Iedicica. Um, You know, in the fall and winter edition of The Messenger, I'll link that to in the uh, in the descriptions. Um, I wrote that Camp Iadacica was over
1: $50,000 away from meeting our donations budget for the year. So as someone who hasn't been here for a full year, like the scope of that, is that a lot for this time of year? Um, you know, it's certainly if you
0: if you think about it in terms of just trying to come with up, up with that in the fourth quarter towards the end of a year, um, you know it can it is a it is a lot to make up for in the course of a year. And that's not to say that people haven't been supporting Camp Ida Um They certainly have. We um, always do a great job of funding things like their scholarship fund um, and and any other you know needs that pop up. So our donors are always doing a great job for us. Um, but it's not impossible to make that 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 up. You know even in the fourth quarter. Uh, as I said camp camp supporters always fill our needs um, you know if you also look back at you know the tractor from last year, um, we were able to get a, a fantastic tractor more than we thought we were able to get thanks to the generosity of our donors so um, but with just a few weeks to go and thanks to the support of fo- of so many people uh, that number is now less than16 thousand dollars so we've taken our donations. Um, shortcoming that we uh, were at the time going into the fourth quarter. We are $50,000 short of meeting our budget for donations. Now that number is less than $16,000. I believe it's like uh, $15,925 or so or something like that. So we still need your support to help finish out a great year here at Camp Iaedusica. So go to our website. You can donate online at our website, campidaseca.org or you can simply mail in a check uh, send it to 3271 Sandy Beach Road, Northeast, in Iowa, 52333. Your donation, as always, is tax-deductible. Andrew. Yeah. Thanks for a great 2019. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to all the blessings of the new year to come.
1: Yeah, so, um, everyone, enjoy the Christmas heat wave that's coming. Ooh, looks warm. Yeah. I heard uh, on the radio, 50 degrees what? next week. Already? Possibly.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys all have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, God's blessings to you all as you finish out this year. Uh, So that's all for 2019. We'll see you all in 2020.
1: Bye.